tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Market, Sarah, welcome along to the second hour of uh, tip today. Speak to Trudy. She's looking after the programme today. 1800 938 007. Text and WhatsApp 083 Of course, you can email tip today at tipfm.com. Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors with me in studio. Morning, John. Uh, good morning, Fran. You're going to continue with uh, cases for us, that cases that pique your, your interest? Yes, yes. I was funny, somebody was asking me the other day about my first cases and I don't know whether it's when you get to a certain stage it's it's certain things that kind of prompt and remind you but I can always remember the earlier cases more clearly than the more recent ones uh, but I remember the one of the first cases that I had were involved I had just come into town actually just started back after I, I started back I, it's nearly 30 some odd years ago Is now it? 1983 you can do the sums wow and I start, and what actually prompted me was that uh, at the moment I started in O'Neill Street in Clanmel. My dad had bought O'Neill Street, and um, he was he said to me, "Sure, why don't you start there?" So I started in the house had a had a an office upstairs, and I can still remember listening to the stairs on the first day. And being surprised when somebody walked up and when I was sitting in behind my desk thinking, I wonder did they know I've just started. (laughs) (laughs) And you're suddenly into that kind of sense of, okay, well, okay, I've read the books, I've studied the law. Now here's a real person sitting in front of me with with an issue. And one of the very first cases I had was was, uh, a fatal accident. Uh, It was a, a girl who was tragically killed and she was survived by a daughter and her daughter basically was 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 a minor was a young child and there was an action taken by the granny granny took the action on behalf of the child in the name of the mother which I'll explain to you in a second so basically what it was was it, it was a fatal act what we call a fatal accident claim and i remember looking at my textbook at the time wondering you know, the obvious questions. The first question is, you know, who can take it? And if you decide who can take it, uh, having decided who can take it, you know, what exactly does is involved in the claim? And does it actually arise in every circumstance? You know, can you take a case every time somebody dies in an accident? Are you entitled to claim under those circumstances? And within about... I'd say about two weeks of that uh, query coming into me, another query came in, uh, and it was a query. And it it was all I always found it strange, uh, as in I could never put my finger on it as to why I might get one 
two and three similar claims or similar queries at the same time, which is very handy because you could always research once you've researched one of course, yeah. with the others, you know, but uh, and then haven't done all the research, you'd wish you might have another if you haven't done that research. But in this particular case, the second question was also equally interesting when, you, when you're dealing in this situation. And the question that I got the second time was, my father has just died. He was involved in a road tra- traffic accident some six months previously. Uh, do, uh, you know, what happens, his claim vis-a-vis he's now deceased. So there were two questions there, all around the first question that you ask in a fatal accident claim, i.e. is there a cause of action in the first instance? In other words, can you sue? And if we take the second case first, the second case was literally, the, the first question that I had to ask was, well, why did your father die was what was the reason for mm. his death and obviously you know checking the death cert he had a heart attack so it wasn't related to the accident exactly so right. that's the very nub of the question is the death related to the accident or is it as a result of some act or omission by some third party which will allow you to make a claim now obviously if you had a situation not obviously but if you had a situation where somebody has a heart attack, but you can actually, if you like, establish the cause of the heart attack to be in some way linked to an event that occurred, a negligent event that occurred prior to that, i.e. the road traffic accident. And I remember I had a third query, again, but this was within about six months, where somebody had had an accident where they broke their leg and they were on crutches and then subsequently they fell down the stairs. And the question that I was asked was, well, can you make a claim about falling down the stairs? Very interesting. Now, we won't go into that one, because right. that's quite an interesting one as well. Uh, but I'll give you the short answer. Short answer is no. Uh, the long answer is why w- would it be no? But if you do go, go back to the very first case that mm-hmm. we were talking about, or rather that I was trying uh, trying to talk about, and that was where you're dealing with a situation where in this particular case, the mother, you're taking an action on behalf of the child uh, in respect of the injury that, that occurred, the fatality occurred to the mother. And in that particular instance, it was a road traffic accident mm-hmm. which the mother had. With, there was full liability. And the grandmother was pursuing this on behalf of exactly, the child. Is that exactly. Okay. So yeah. it's, 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 it's what we call a fatal injuries accident because under what we call the common law, I've often, it's not so common, says you, but I've often talked to you about the common law. Under the common law, which is kind of case law, historically under the case law, if if a person died, then the the litigation would die with them, and the Civil Liability Act. Well, in fact, it came way back into eighteen seventy four was the first piece of legislation, but the law intervened and said, well, actually, not in every case does the act the action die with the deceased. Now, just as a small little aside, by the way. In the case, in the second query that I had, i.e. where you have an existing case, you've taken the case and the plaintiff, i.e. the person who takes the case, dies. Not everything dies 
with the not all aspects of the case dies with the case if you if you don't mind me being so crude about it because obviously if there were out of pocket expenses or if there was loss of earnings or if there were any actual losses as opposed to losses for pain and suffering uh, if and if you take that in in a let's say a personal injuries action what are you talking about in terms of compensation? You're talking about general damage, what we call general damage and special damages. And funny, I was rewriting or not rewriting it, but amending our manual. We we produce a manual for clients, you know, that if you're doing, if you're involved in a piece of litigation or you're involved in a probate or you're doing a will or whatever, we'll always produce a booklet well not always but we produce a booklet and I was reviewing the booklet there recently and one of the kind of glossaries that I put at the end is to explain general damages and explain compensation how it's broken down and if you break down compensation the way compensation is broken down as a general rule is and this is where sometimes people look at claims for instance in medical negligence claims you look at the four million you think oh my god that's a huge amount of compensation but actually that's broken down into two general categories no pun intended when i say general but you have general damages and special damages special damages probably easier one to if you like, identify because special damages are the ones that you can, if you like, produce a voucher for them. So your loss of earnings, your doctor's bills, your future care costs, any rehabilitation costs, you know, any those kind of, if you like, clearly identifiable losses. And then the second part of it is your general damages. And general damages are broken down into two kind of broad categories. And the first category is general damages pain and suffering up to the date of the hearing. So whatever the judge might decide is a a figure that will compensate you for all the pain and suffering that you've had to date. And then if there's likely to be pain and suffering in the future, then there will be an award in respect of that. And often when you're reading a case, it breaks the damages down into those categories and it's often itemised. So if you come back to your fatal accident scenario, your first question is, on what basis can you make the claim? Well, you make the claim if there is a claim in the first case. So in other words, you have to kind of ground it on that if the, if the deceased died as a result of an act of negligence or an omission by a third party. So if you take the fairly standard scenario of a road traffic accident, Mm. if there is blame in the accident, or if you take a medical negligence case, if there is blame in in that scenario, well then in those circumstances, then there is a cause of of action you can take a case. Now, that raises another really interesting scenario as well, because what it often raised, well, it raised a question that was actually decided by the Court of Appeal last year because there was a little bit of confusion about in the legal arena about whether in fact confusion is the word because the High Court decided one way and the Court of Appeal reversed it and said no you're wrong that's not the right way to deal with it but the question that came up was we were talking last week about the famous statute of limitation or infamous statute of limitation in other words you know, how long do you have to mm. take a claim? And the question that arose was that because a fatal injuries claim 
is statutorily based, in other words, because it's in a piece of legislation and it says that you have two years in which to make the claim, does that two years start from when the person mm. died, died, or does it start from when they might have had the cause of action while they were alive? And this is what exercised the courts to the extent that it went to the Court of Appeal mm. and Hogan J. Uh, decided in the Court of Appeal that in fact they're mutually inclusive. So in other words you can't separate them out and go well actually we'll just start from the date of death and work on from there and you've got a two year period from there. You've got two years from the date when the person knew or ought to have known that they had a cause of action. So if the deceased was involved in road traffic accident prior to the death, for example, well, then under those circumstances, you the cause of action starts from the date of the accident. If they had a, make, a medical negligence case, for example, that raises the really interesting question of the knowledge, the data knowledge that we were talking about last week, which is that somebody might not know, i.e. deceased might have no clue that the reason, if you like, that they become extremely ill is as a result of some act or a mission by the medical profession or the medical mm. institutions and therefore the clock mightn't start to tick at all until after the death and it might still not tick until somebody finds out the reason And for what it. happens with the guy say who got the heart attack years on from, from the accident and you're saying it, it, it wasn't related in some way but I mean surely you could get up and argue there that you know the stress because of the litigation and the stress of the accident itself could bring on the heart attack. If I was on TV now, you'd see I'd be smiling at you because that's exactly the argument that I made with the insurance company at the time. I said to them, uh, I actually issued, the proceedings were live at the time. Uh, again, an unfortunate choice of words in, insofar as the poor man himself died. But uh, my argument with the insurance company at the time was that the reason that he had had the heart attack was because of the stress involved in their failure to meet the claim, in defending the claim, and the fact that he had a road traffic accident, and because of his age, that that all contributed to it. But if I give you, this would be like the lotto, you could win the lotto if you can answer the question as to what and why I didn't and wasn't able to proceed with that. And the reason I wasn't able to proceed with it is the reason that I've often said to you is that law is based on evidence, not just making the argument. It's not just a matter of making the argument. You have to show the... You have to. So I went yeah. looking, interestingly enough, and, I, you know, I was a young fellow at the time. I went looking for, and was very disappointed that I didn't get a doctor who would who would support my view, uh, which obviously was an extremely personal mm. view. But my view was, I knew this little old man. He was a he was a real warrior, and you know, he was really stressed as a result of the accident. And I felt, but obviously I couldn't get the evidence to prove it. I felt that it yeah. was, and it did cause. And if you like, it was part of the one thing it was part of the one but again I never got so to the point So did his claim making. die with him then? So his personal injuries claim for the general damages died, with, died him. with him all he got was the out of pocket expenses right. and, and the effect that he's I beg your pardon yeah. but the, the effect that his accident had maybe on his family and stuff that couldn't be taken into account well that's, a, that's also a very interesting uh, question that you raise you should do a law because I think you'd be good at ferreting <laughs> out these sure. things but 
the one of the interesting developments in law since now this don't forget this was 30 some odd years ago because that was the same time as I went into the district court and again this is just an aside I went into the district court at the time and I remember again really interesting cases I got when I started um, a little old man I'd say little old man nice little fella and he was a small little man and he came in to me and he said to me that he had been arrested by the local superintendent no super, detective superintendent for selling Easter lilies uh, in Irishtown and that he heard that I was a young fella on the block and would I look after him and I went down to the district court and I was very exercised about this, you know, the fact that, you know, your constitutional right to, uh, you know, uh, sell the Easter lily and represent the old IRA, etc., etc. And I remember the district judge looking down very kindly at me and saying, Mr. Lynch, you do realise that... Uh, uh, you know, constitutional law is not something that you can argue in the district court. (laughs) 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 You were getting above yourself. I was getting way above above myself. Listen, I need to take a break, John. Will you stay with me? We'll be back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitor is still with me uh, in studio. We're going to go back to the case of the mother who died. The grandmother was pushing litigation on behalf of yes, the daughter, yes. John. Yeah, so the so. two parts of it is, the first one we were talking about is on what basis can you make the claim. The second one is who can make the claim. And basically this is a statutory claim statutory meaning it's it's it was made into law and it's under the civil liability act and that is based on whether you're a dependent or not so you'll often have a situation that you'll have multiple dependents for the deceased in this particular instance you had the husband you had the daughter and you had the granny but primarily the primary one if you like was the daughter and <clears throat> the court will often you'll often have a situation where like because the amount and level of the compensation is fixed by legislation so the amount the figure is set so the figure I'm trying to think to myself I know it used to be 25 pounds it's 35,000 is the figure so what you'll often have then you'll have a calculation of that figure divided among the various individuals who would be deemed to be dependents of the deceased oh but it's capped it's capped exactly it's capped so the first there's three elements to to the compensation that are paid the first one well not first in order but the first one is the one we were just talking about the statutory one there's a cap on that and then it's distributed usually by agreement you know usually if you're acting for the dependents you'll agree look so and so uh, you know it will go a certain percentage will go to the spouse so in this case it's the spouse it's her her husband and the daughter is that and the granny and and the granny and and the granny and it could go to siblings and Mm. but primarily it would have been the daughter in this instance Uh, and the there's three elements I was saying to you the one is the cap the 35,000 is the figure I think when I say I think I'm never ever 
I've I learned a long time ago never to say I, that I'm absolutely 100% sure without having it sitting there in front of me and looking at it. But um, the second element of the the compensation is your funeral and kind of test, you know, any expenses that arise as a result of the death, so your, your funeral costs and things like that. And the third element of it, which is the more interesting one, is what we call salatium, which is... No, sorry, salatium is the is the... 35,000. But the third element of it is loss that arises as a result of the death of the deceased. Now, that's an interesting one because in and around, and again, you might think I'm joking here, but actually in and around the time of this particular claim, I had another fatal accident claim where (coughs) the deceased was, and again, I need to be careful not to be too specific, but the deceased had a problem with alcohol that meant that he was involved in a road traffic accident, which wasn't entirely his fault. And so there was some fault on the part of the other, of the motorist. But leaving that aside for a second, the interesting thing from the point of view of calculating the loss, the actual loss, if we can call it, go back to my point, general damage and special damages. So it's kind of akin to your special damages loss. If you take your situation where you might have somebody who's employed, somebody who is, uh, you know, on a salary, well, it's kind of relatively easy to do an actuary calculation on them and say, well, you know, if they died at at a young age that they would have la- they would have lived to a certain age etc so you can do an actuarial calculation as to what that loss might be to the family as a result of the death <clears throat> so in this one in this particular case that i'm mentioning it was an interesting one because you had to try and establish whether or not with all due respect to the deceased who had a problem with drink as to whether or not there was an actual financial loss. So the real challenge for me in that case was how do you calculate and how can one kind of sustain an actual loss in that situation? And that's just kind of looking outside the box a little bit insofar as although the poor devil had a problem with alcohol, he was still handy around the house. Mm. He used to do work around the house. He used to do, attend the garden, etc., etc. So you you actuarialize that. So that's the other element of loss that you're mm. talking about. Right. And that's so how that's so the mother then, how how would you make? I mean, how would you build up the loss? Well, in the mother, in the mother's case, you'd have the care costs for the child. Mm because the mother would have been minding the child and now somebody else has to mind the child. Right. You, you in, the, in the situation of the mother, if the mother was employed, you'd have a loss of earnings situation there. So you're looking at any contribution that you would make to the care of the right. child going forward. And so was she in the right her. where the accident was concerned? Yes. She was. Yes, she, she was, was. completely there was no in the issue right. Whatever, okay. There was okay. no issue whatever with liability on it. Right. At all. Yeah. So... It was an interesting one. It kind of brought me in mind, you know, when you start thinking about these, it brought me in mind, those cases brought me in mind. I was trying to remember the very first case, and I'll kind of leave you on this note, the very first case that I got in the door, and I remember sitting behind my desk hearing the step on the stairs, and it was quite a heavy step on the stairs. Now, there were a light enough stairs, and this fairly big man, big compared to me, anyway, I was a small fellow at the time, man sat, sat in in front of me, 
Now, I, to this day, I never asked him why he came into me. Uh, somebody must have referred him to me. But when I was taking the notes of the case, I was writing down, and I was very assiduous, and I was taking all the notes and writing down every detail. And I had my head down, I wasn't looking at him. And I said, how did this ac- accident happen? And he said, I was delivering a bag of flour. I said, oh, right, OK. And where were you div- delivering the bag of flour? I was delivering the bag of flour out there to St. Luke's. You know where St. Luke's is? I said, I do indeed. I said, I was born right close beside it. And he said, well, you know the back place out there? You know those old sheds out the back that nobody goes near? I said, oh, yeah, I know them. And I said, as a matter of interest, why were you delivering the bag of clo- bags of, of, of flour to those sheds? He said, should you just, I met this fellow at Gate and uh, he told me to bring them up there. And I said, butchered their sheds in the middle of nowhere. And I said, and were they, you know, were their storage said Not at all, he said. They were broken down all things. Sure, when I went into the shed, I went through the floor. <laughs> so I said, can you tell oh me, God. can you tell me who directed you to go to the shed? And he said, well, it turned out it was one of the patients. <laughs> How did I know where that was going? That's great. And that was true. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. Isn't that amazing altogether? And where the mother uh, who who died was concerned, w- yes. w- were you happy with the compensation that the daughter received? And or I was very. That's also there's also an interesting sidestep on that as well. I was not. I was a new fellow on the block, and this was a case that was being handled by another solicitor who shall remain nameless, or firmer solicitors who will re- remain nameless, and also by a barrister who will also remain nameless, but who subsequently became a judge. And uh, the interesting thing about it was that they, the reason that the granny came into me was that she wasn't happy with the level of compensation. And the reason that she wasn't happy was it was, it was quite low. Mm. But the interesting thing about it was that... When you re- read the case law on it, and when I read the case law on it, because she asked me for my opinion, I took out the book, law book on charts and read it. One of the greatest advantages that I've always had is I've been quite interested in law. So when you go and actually go back and read the law, I read the law and there was an interesting argument, you see, that a lot of people were leaving out this future loss scenario, you know, the loss for the contribution that the particular person would have. So they were actually leaving it out. So they settled, they were looking to settle this case at, say, I, I can't remember, say 20,000 mm. euros or, mm. or pounds it was at the time. And uh, I said to her, no, I said, I don't think that's enough. With all due respect, I don't think that's enough. And we then subsequently settled it for, I think, 75,000, oh. about five or six months later. So anyway, that's a bit of a, a feather Isn't in my cap. And what you took into account? The actual f- contribution the mother would have made. Emotionally? No, actual contribution in terms of the caring of the child. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, the you know, income, producing income in order to rear the child, all those things. And the challenge is often in these cases is that if you don't have a clear, discernible kind of career path, you know, sometimes people mm. um, die, unfortunately, young and they don't have an established career path. In this particular instance, the, the, the deceased didn't have an established career path. And that was why I think, I think th- the other mm. team, if you like, were kind of putting it aside. Whereas I said that there was an argument 
that yeah. obviously just because you're young doesn't and maybe going nowhere at the early stages doesn't mean that you won't subsequently find your way and that's that was the basic the argument very interesting because I only have a few seconds left but a quick answer to this if that child subsequently found as an adult and went to a psychiatrist had huge issues over the years the psychiatrist decided it all stemmed from the death of her mother would she be able to go back and, and, and that's well that's a very good question because you, you actually asked me the same question earlier and I didn't answer it because you asked me the question that you know what happens about the old little old man scenario yeah. and you know the stress that would but if you're in a situation for example that as a result of an accident you suffer, suffer from a very defined psychiatric reaction as a result of that accident well in those circumstances you you do and can have a cause of action it's called a nervous uh, nervous shock cases and funnily what I was starting to say to you when you asked me the question the last time was that 35 years ago they weren't as prevalent Gagan Jay I think was the judge who actually brought them into the fore about 20 years ago and they are now very much uh, and uh, an area, if you like, of compensation. It's and very the fun, just to finish the the point as well, just for completeness, the other interesting question that you raised there is the fact that if you're a minor and you've suffered as a result of something that happened during your minority, that there is long established case law way back. 30 years ago, which hasn't been questioned as of yet, because the whole issue arises that if you're a minor and you're in the care of, of, of a parent, whether there's a responsibility on the parent to take the action on behalf of the child. But the Supreme Court decided a long time ago that, no, when you get of age, come of age, you have a period of time from when you come of age in which to take the case. So if you go back to your very interesting scenario there, in that situation, you you could have a cause of action when the child becomes of age. But you're also really interesting because what happens if the child doesn't find out for some number of years after they come of age, then you're into the knowledge principle, which is really interesting because now you're down to a situation where somebody hasn't got a clue that, if you like, the reason that they've been like this for so long is as a result of that, something that happened quite yeah, a long time yeah. ago. And now you're into the whole knowledge and it's really fascinating. Uh, it, it is all fascinating. As usual, John, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Um, back with more tip today in a moment. <laughs> 